Hey guys, this is Kyle Stanley with the Fearless Investor Podcast. And if you want to build your world-class communication skills, you should definitely be listening to the Art of Communication with my good friend, Greg Rice. Go check it out. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Hey guys, today I'm talking to Kyle Stanley. Kyle is a very successful Airbnb investor. Today making over $25,000 per month and growing from his Airbnb real estate holdings. He's also host of the Fearless Investor Podcast. And we talk about how communication is really everything to the success that he's had with Airbnb and how it's so central to his strategy and his system. We also talk about how he's leveraged communication skills to build some pretty creative real estate deals and what his keys are to being a really successful negotiator. So while you'll definitely pick up a lot of really good communication nuggets from this episode, if you happen to be into Airbnb at all, this is really the episode for you to dig into. Kyle, thank you for joining me on the Art of Communication podcast. Really excited to have you on today. Thanks, Greg. Excited to be on too, man. Yeah, I know you've done some really exciting things in the real estate, but specifically the Airbnb space. So I'm excited to kind of look at communication through that lens because we haven't had that many conversations with folks specifically about Airbnb, but, but even maybe from the real estate side of things. So I'm excited to dive into it a little bit. Well, I'm always excited to talk about it. So excited to answer whatever uh, will help your audience today, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. So I guess a good place to start is to take me back when you first started getting into real estate investing, right? And you didn't have a network and you didn't have any deals. How did you go about starting to build those relationships? Yeah. Um, well, man, loaded question right off the bat. I mean, <laughs> really for me, dude, uh, I, I would say when I saw real estate as an opportunity for me to start a new career path, and just so you know, like I've I've had a lot of career paths. I had a lot of different things I tested out. I've always been an entrepreneur by spirit, but just was always kind of looking for that vehicle that I was going to be passionate about, knew I could thrive with. And when I saw real estate, I saw a few things. First of all, I'm a numbers person, so I really was excited about that. But more so, I saw the opportunity that if I poured into other people, provided opportunities for other people, helped other people, which really is the definition of networking, then I could be successful at this. And so it wasn't about the resources. Everyone always asked me like, where do you get the money? Like, how did, did you just save a bunch, a bunch of money? Like, did you know how to flip houses? And it's, it's funny. Everyone thinks that like you have all these resources and I'm like, no, I just was really resourceful. I've never used any of my own money because I've done a really good job of meeting people and providing value and communicating to them, like how we can work together to help them. And it helps me and it helps everyone in the long run. So I think just the, it's a boring word, it's networking, but to me, the deeper definition of creating those relationships was just adding value and being resourceful. And I think adding value is really critical to building that network and building relationships, right? I, I kind of hear that a lot from folks and completely agree that if you want to kind of take those relationships to the next level and, and achieve something together, right? You have to be looking at how do I add value for them, not just how can I take something from them, right? It can't be about you. It has to be about what you can give them. 
um, really almost twofold on the value deliver versus the value you get, if not more than that. Well, yeah. And, and that's the, the reason why a lot of people don't go to these like networking groups. Like I was a part of BNI for a while. That's mm-hmm. a really big one out there. Um, I've mm-hmm. gone to chamber of commerce stuff and you know, what, what's like the whole idea behind that? The idea it is supposed to be that you help each other out. But what really happens is you get caught in this like awkward corner of someone pitching you their business. And you're like, dude, I don't even know your last name yet. And you're already trying to get a sale out of me. And you haven't even asked me what I do. And yeah. that it's, you know, that that's just the the thing is like, if you want to build good relationships and you and I have a really good friend together who just preaches this Travis Chapel, who's mm-hmm. just, you know, if you add value and you don't expect anything in return, it's all going to come back to you. And, and really what that is, if we really want to dive deep into that, it, it's, it's an abundancy mindset. It's not as it, a lot of people have scarcity mindset. I have to talk mm-hmm. to everyone or else I'm going to lose business versus the person that says, no, I'm going to try to give everyone free value and know that it's just going to come back around to, to help me one day. And, and I'm seeing a lot of that really come to fruition more so than anything I've ever done in my life in the world of real estate. And that's, what's really exciting. Yeah. Very cool. So tell me about how you kind of shifted from traditional investment to the Airbnb side. And then I want to get a little bit into the dynamics of the communication side of that, right. And all the different avenues that you take around Airbnb to succeed. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, Greg, I started in Airbnb before I ever started in real estate. I was, I started basically as a room out of my home in Airbnb in 2015 in Arizona. And then I never saw it as anything more than just a room out of your house, kind of couch surfing sort of, sort of deal. I was thinking, you know, oh, you know, these people are types of people that they don't want to spend money on a hotel. So they're just looking for the cheap route. And that's all I ever saw. And then one day I just kind of like, after getting into real estate, I was like, I guess I've kind of been doing a version of real estate here this entire time. I wonder if I could do an entire house and see if that would make me more than a regular rental. And in one weekend, I tripled my money and it was like, whoa, what, what just happened there? Like, can I do that again? Or was that just a fluke? And I went and started researching. I took courses. I got mentors. I just started looking at all these different ways that I could succeed in Airbnb and match it with real estate. And man, it was, it was so powerful. I mean, I went from four years of doing Airbnb really the, the cheap way and the, I don't want to call it the wrong way because it's really a good way to get into it. If you have a home and you want to help get your mortgage paid for, that's a great way to do it. Just house hacking one of the rooms out of your home or multiple rooms. But when I went from $1,000 a month was like the highest I ever got to, maybe $1,200. And then turn around and five months later through different strategies was able to now produce $15,500 of gross income. Just over the span of five months, growing it 15-fold, I was like, this is amazing. And it, I still have pinch me moments, even during all this COVID stuff where we're still very successful. And I'm just like, is, is this like one of those things that it's just going to be hot for a little bit. But, but then I remember I'm like, dude, this, this has been like not Airbnb, but short-term rentals have been a thing for decades, vacation rentals all over the place. And especially with people getting tired of the hotel experience, elevators and heck now, especially trying to get into a hotel is way different than it was even just a few months ago. Cause now you got to worry about sanitizing and social distancing. And it's just becoming one of those things that might 
end up having a, a tough time rebuilding itself where Airbnb is staying really strong in certain areas and is going to continue to build back up. Um, I don't know when you're airing this, but you know, we're, we're recording this in June. And right now, I mean, I'm back to my normal rates. I'm back to full occupancy. And we're uh-huh. just now getting back to fully out of shelter in in our economy. So it's, it's really encouraging. Talk to me a little bit about the, the sales side of it and how you communicate with renters, I guess, on the platform, right? But then how you connect with them and communicate with them as they're getting ready to come and stay and while, while they're staying. I've stayed in a few Airbnbs as well. And I've definitely had different experiences from different hosts. Yeah. So I'd love to get your feel for kind of what are the keys to communicating effectively with the folks who are staying there and getting them to come back, hopefully. I'm, I'm really excited you asked me this question because <laughs> when... When we have someone come into our Airbnb, there's one thing I know that 100% for sure is not going to happen. We're not going to under communicate. That's absolutely at the end of the day, the number one thing that we have in control in our business is communicating expectations with what they can expect from us and what we need to expect from them. And so just to answer your question, and then I want to talk a little bit more about some of the ways, but to answer your Mm -hmm. question, one of the things that we do is in the beginning, it was copy and paste. You know, someone tries to book or reserve our place. We have a copy and paste message. We send it. Then someone booked, we copy and paste the instructions. And then, you know, after night one, we copy and paste the, how was your first night? And we had this kind of a four or five touch system where even if someone was staying for only one night, they were getting ample amounts of communication from us where they understood how to find the place, where to check in, what they needed to do on upon checkout. If they were wondering, well, what's the Wi-Fi? What's the, where's the laundry? Where's this? Where's that? What's that? How do I use this? It's all in our manual. That's right there on the coffee table when they show up. And so, you know, we went from in the beginning, when I say we really was me in the beginning, just like having to answer all these questions and 9 PM at night, people asking, Hey, how do we turn on the TV? We can't find the remote to me gathering all this information and saying, I'm just going to put this all together and I'm going to have it all nightly or nicely wrapped up for them in a, in a house manual and also in check-in instructions so that I don't have to answer all these questions all the time. And then Airbnb came out. Well, actually a third party company came out with this thing called smart BNB, which literally automated that entire process for me. So instead of me having to do copy and paste, I could literally just, if someone tried to book it, there's an automated message that goes out. If someone did book it, there's an automated message with the instructions. After night one, automated message, how did night one go? If they're checking out, hey, here's the checkout instructions. So that saved me so much time. But the important thing there is that for each different listing we have, we have to have a different set of you know, check in, check out instructions because each property is different. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important if I want to have freedom and I want to continue to have a five-star stay for my guests, I need to have everything systematized so that I know that each property is taken care of. And then those little things that fall through the crack, well, I have a a manager that takes care of those questions. Hey, the dishwasher's not working. What do we do? Manager comes in, we'll send the repairman. And so this has allowed me really the time freedom now through systematizing my communication. Yeah, I think you've said you spend what an hour a day maybe on on the oh, Airbnb side. No, of maybe maybe an hour a week. It's <laughs> yeah, amazing. not oh uh, yeah, not much. Not much. I'll adjust prices every once in a while, and that's about the majority of what I do. Wow, not even pushing it from a promotional perspective on Airbnb. I guess you're in a situation where you're just driving demand. 
Yeah. Well, the great thing about Airbnb is you build up your reviews, you build up reputation, you know, and, and people want to book you because who are you going to book? A place that's a five star and maybe $10 extra a night or a place that's a 4.2 star and $10 cheaper. Uh, I'll pay the extra $10 to go stay at the five star place that has a bunch of reviews. Yeah. And it's not something you can build overnight. So it's a bit of a competitive advantage, right? Exactly. Exactly. It took me a few years. <laughs> and even that speaks to communication, right? Because you have to build that trust without ever meeting the person, but the reviews kind of help do that. Yeah, no, it, it really does. And um, I, I think at the end of the day, and this, this is a good thing just for anyone, but if you're in the hospitality industry, you know this, but if you are trying to build relationships, if you're trying to communicate with people, at the end of the day, there's going to be people that are really easy to please. And there's gonna be people that it doesn't matter what you do. They're not going to give you a five star experience in your Airbnb, or they're not going to ever want to meet you again, because you, you just don't, they look for things to really like keep away from people. And, and I have that all the time. I just had a guy who literally stayed at one of my Airbnbs for a week and he gets all this communication. Hey, how was the first night? Hey, is there anything we can do? And he has this entire stay and then he leaves and luckily he was nice enough and he sent me a message rather than reviewing it. But he said, Hey, I'm not going to leave you a review, but I just want to let you know the hot water wasn't running. I had to kill a couple bugs in the place. It just overall was a disappointing stay. And I just told him, I was like, dude, is there anything I didn't do to communicate that you can reach out to me that my job is to give you a five-star stay? And so that for me, Greg, yeah. I think the, the moral of the story here is that I over communicate in everything I do so that if at the end of the day, the other person is upset, all they have to do is look in the mirror to know that they should be upset with themselves. Um, now things fall through the cracks. I, I raise money for uh, projects as well. And recently I told a guy what I expected of him, but I didn't email it to him and he didn't hear me on something. And, and we kind of had one of those moments of like, Oh, there's some miscommunication there. But I think the important thing there is that how easy is it right now? Well, not right now, but ever when you miscommunicate, how badly do you just want to be like, no, I told you that and be right. But at the end of the day, I have to, really create great relationships in order to do that. I have to take more responsibility on things I don't want to take responsibility on, but it helps to hold the relationship. So on a situation like that, where I didn't email the guy, I said, Hey, you know, I really apologize. I, I, I might've not said it to you if I did great. If not, I'm sorry if I didn't, but my, this is my bad because I didn't email it to you. And I always follow up with everything with an email and I forgot to do it this time. And so, you know, that's my fault. What can I do to make it right? I think it's critical. I've spent years in sales roles and you have to fall on your sword even when it's not your fault, right? You can never blame the prospect or the client. And, and it's tough, right? <laughs> yeah. And everybody makes mistakes. You have to be understanding and, and yeah, you just got, you got to take the blame and it, it typically works effectively. Then they know they owe you a little bit too. So sometimes you build some goodwill with that. But first, have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? I'll tell you, if you're a business owner, you absolutely should be. There's no better way to get your name out there, to grow your network, and really develop a relationship with your customers. I can tell you in the short time that I've been doing this podcast, I've already had conversations with top global influencers, Fortune 500 CEOs, and a host of other really cool people that I otherwise would not have had the opportunity to connect with. But you might be thinking, hey, it might be really hard to do a podcast. I don't know where to start, or I just don't have time. But I'll tell you, if you work with my friends at World Class Media, they make it super easy. That's who I worked with. With their done-for-you podcast, literally, all I have to do is just record the episode and they do everything else. 
from end to end, including all editing and production, development of my intro and outro and music, my artwork and website, development of my show notes, and submission of my show to all the major podcasting mediums. They even created my social media cards. And they offer me coaching along the way as well to help me to become a world-class podcaster right out of the gate. So if you've ever considered starting a podcast, you owe it to yourself to talk to world-class media because I tell you it's a lot easier than you think. So just go to gregjrice.com backslash done for you to learn more about the done for you podcast service and to set up a free consultation. All right, let's hop into the show. So exactly. let's switch topics a little bit, talk about maybe the, the buying the landlord side of things, right? So I know that you have some creative approaches to renting out Airbnbs, right? Where sometimes you don't own them or uh, other things in between. So I'm curious how you get landlords who probably aren't familiar or really open to that idea initially to buy into that. Yeah, absolutely. So there's three different strategies of Airbnb to give you the real quick Reader's Digest version. We have a portfolio of 12 Airbnbs and we use all three strategies. I own six, which is kind of the the idea of, that most people know of. You own a house, you can rent it out. The second way, uh, you can basically go to a landlord and you can, se- you can tell them, hey, instead of renting out to a regular tenant who it's really going to be a roll of the dice if they treat your place well or not, why don't you rent it to me? I'm a professional managing company and we're going to sublease it on Airbnb. You're going to be protected by three different forms of insurance and you're going to get someone who actually cares about treating your place well. And if anything goes wrong, you're covered by those three different forms of insurance, including the Airbnb host guarantee. That's another way we call that rental arbitrage. That's the fancy term for it. Basically, I rent it out. I pay them the rent and then they they get their rent every month and I get the profit of whatever extra I make through Airbnb. And then the third way is managing. So that landlord says, hey, yeah, that sounds cool, but I would rather you just go ahead and manage my place and I'll pay for the furniture, I'll pay for the amenities, and I'll give you a cut for basically running all the communication and running the day-to-day operations of the Airbnb. So those three different ways, we have a portfolio of all three of those. I love being able to get into an Airbnb for little money or no money. And the way to do that is through both arbitrage and managing. And mm-hmm. that creates a, a great opportunity. But as a lot of my students find out as well, you have to be able to communicate very effectively your intentions and their expectations, your expectations of how you're going to treat their property. And I've seen a lot of people that just aren't comfortable or confident in their ability to do that. So what do they do? They get super sneaky and honestly unethical about it. And I'm comfortable saying unethical because honestly, I was that guy in the beginning. I was scared. I didn't think that I could convince anyone to do it. And I took a course that showed me the wrong way to do it. And I I snuck into a place and I got caught. Um, And then I realized after that, like that's pretty much against my moral compass and I shouldn't be doing that. So I I taught myself how to effectively communicate with these landlords to make it appear because honestly, it is the best case scenario for them of who they want to rent out to. So, but yeah, having having, uh, the experience and knowing all these different ways to get into an Airbnb, those are the best ways to do it is just get into a property that you don't even own. And I'm assuming landlords, when you walk in the door, don't even really have this on their radar. Maybe they do more today than they did a few years ago, but trying to sell them on it, I'm sure is not easy, but convincing them that it's a win-win goes a long way. You know, honestly, I, I get that 
comment a lot that it's not easy to have this conversation with the landlord. And I, I actually think it, it really is because at the end of the day, I truly believe that if you're a landlord, I'm your best option. Or if, I, if you're an apartment lease manager, I'm your best option. Because if you're going to go and try to get a regular renter, and I've been, I've been here. I mean, I, I just got done being a regular landlord and I hated it. Be, not necessarily because of like communication issues, but just because of the fact that like people don't treat a place that they know they're not going to live in for the rest of their lives very well. Mm-hmm. And in just a few short months, I mean, we had appliances that were breaking. We had things that were falling off the walls and, and holes being put in walls and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, gosh, like this is why, and that wasn't through Airbnb. That was through month to month, regular landlord experience. And, and I was like, this just really solidifies for me that doing Airbnb if you're, whether you're a landlord doing it yourself or a landlord who allows someone to do Airbnb in their place, it's the best way to go. Because I know that if someone puts a hole in the wall that I can take a picture, send it to the, the guest, give them a chance to pay it back. If they don't pay it back, then Airbnb has me covered with the host guarantee. And that's a, that's a great feeling to know that even if yeah. something does go wrong, Hey, I'm covered versus, Hey, I, I sure hope something doesn't go wrong. And Oh, by the way, I mean, then you look at it and it's like, well, a normal house is going to cash flow $200 a month. That's a normal house. Very average across the nation. Well, what if someone puts a hole in the wall? That's $500. What if someone breaks a stove? That's $800 to $1,000. I mean, these things can literally disintegrate your, your profit with one or two things versus Airbnb, I'm covered on those things. Plus I'm making usually three to four times more than a regular rental every single month. I like Airbnb's option a little bit better. <laughs> That's such a powerful model. And, and yeah. that, uh, my eyes weren't that open to, so you're definitely opening them up. I'm opening them up a little bit when I'm going to certainly have to investigate. But now, whenever I'm talking real estate, I know one dynamic of it, a big dynamic of it is, is negotiation, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you're buying and selling properties or even negotiating with a landlord to sublet it out for Airbnb. Tell me what you found to be the keys to negotiating effectively. Just making it a win-win for everyone. My, my biggest question that I always ask people is, you know, what is your goal? So let's, let's take it from a standpoint of two recent things. So with Airbnb, I had a landlord who wanted to rent their place out for $1,200 a month. We got to talking. She loved the option, but she was just at the end of the day, even after talking to her insurance, my insurance, seeing the host guarantee, because it was new for her, she was still scared and she Mm -hmm. felt like she was taking on more risk. Now we're six months into the relationship and I am her best tenant. I get her rent three days before she expects it. She, She can go and check out the place whenever she wants, as long as she gives me a heads up. And she knows that that place is being taken care of. So she's realizing that the risk really wasn't there. But in order for her to feel good about it, I said, what if I pay you an extra $100 a month to help mitigate that risk? I'll do that on the first property. If you ever bring me another property, you know, we're not going to do an extra $100, but I, I want to show you that this is the real deal. And, and that was enough for her to be able to, to go for it. But if, you know, if I were just very much like set in my ways and only wanting to just prove to her that this is the way to do it, well, that 
I don't know. I, I could have eventually, but for me, I just, I wanted to show her that, Hey, this is going to be a long time, a long-term relationship. And I want to make this right for you. But then when it comes to like buying houses off the market, when you're talking straight to sellers, the question is really just how much do you need in order to, to make this a win-win and starting there. And, and then, you know, I've got my numbers in mind. So Honestly, it comes down to do my numbers match up with yours? Are they in the same ballpark? If they're not, then keep my number and reach back out to me. But right now, here's my number. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of people will come back to you a couple months later and say, hey, you know, maybe maybe I do want that number. Some things happened. Some things fell through. Let's go and, and revisit that. And, you know, but... I, I have, to, I have to stay strong in my numbers. And that's the biggest thing is negotiation is, yeah, it's about the relationship, but it's also understanding your numbers and you can't get emotionally involved just because you like the house and suddenly now you're offering 20,000 more and there goes your profit. It's hard to keep emotion out of it, especially when you see a great opportunity in front of you mm -hmm. um, and you're not that far away from it, right? It's really hard, but you're absolutely right. You have to have a, a line in the sand that you're not going to go across or you're going to be a very weak negotiator. A lot of the what? Uh, you have to have a line in the sand you're not going to go across or you're going to be a very weak negotiator. Oh, line in the sand. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that can be tough too because that that line could, you could be towing the line on either side and feel like there's room to be able to to bend and break. But yeah, you, you have to keep that line straight. Yeah. So uh, just the last couple of questions I'd like to ask everybody who I have on the show. So changing gears a little bit. The first one is around conversations. And, and I really believe in the power of just a single conversation can have on your life. So I always like to ask my guests if there's one conversation they can point to in their lives that had a big impact on the direction they ended up taking. Wow, man. I, I don't know if I necessarily would say off the top of my head it was a conversation as much as it was uh, just a moment. Mm -hmm. Man, I... I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of if I could even think of anything else, but really, I mean, January 6th of last year is a really big time in my life because it was the day that I said yes to jumping into real estate. And it was funny. It was the day before I was starting a completely new full-time job. And, and I was just like, am I really going to do this? And I, I brought the person who knows me the best, which is my mom to this, this like event that I was going to, that was basically asking for a chunk of money in order to get started in real estate for education. And I brought her, I was like, is this like, am I crazy? Should I not do this? And she basically was like, you'd be crazy if you didn't do this. This like matches you to the T of all your strengths. Wow. And, and so it wasn't necessarily a conversation. It was more of just like affirmation that this is something that I, need to do now and wish I'd been doing for a long time. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need is somebody to say, yes, you know, go in that direction. It lines up with yeah. your skill set. Other people see your skills normally a lot brighter than you do. You know, they see your talents and I think we so miss out on our opportunities to share that with others sometimes. And, and therefore they're missing out because they might not take action because they don't think they're strong in an area where they actually are strong. It's, it's so true, isn't it? Uh, I mean, so many people, that especially students that I help, you know, I've got one, one or two students that come to mind where they're just like, they bring up these fears and I'm like, wait, you don't think that you can like actually do the numbers on this? You're one of the most analytical people I know. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Or I don't think I can go talk to a landlord and sell them on this. I'm like, you're one of the most personable people I know. What do you mean you can't do this? And, and it's, it's really funny. Like, 
sometimes people just don't even see their strengths unless someone is there throwing it in their face. Yeah, so true. So second question, as you look at all that you've accomplished and all the struggles you've been through, if there's one communication skill that I could give you in abundance that would have made it all a lot easier, what would that have been? If there's one communication skill you could have given me in abundance to make it all easier. Hmm. I would say the, the ability to see all sides of a scenario of how it can go so that I can always prepare the other person that I'm communicating with of here's everything that could go wrong or everything that could go right. I think especially that, that ability to really paint vision is such a strong tool to have in your tool belt. It's what a lot of really good salespeople have. It's what a lot of good inspirational speakers have, which I know there's a lot of things that are good and bad around that kind of scenario of people. But mm-hmm. when, when, you can, when you can paint vision for someone that they haven't seen yet, you're, you're really giving them an opportunity to look at something in a way in which they've never seen it before. And that can be life-changing. I love that concept of painting vision. That's something I haven't heard before, uh, but I think it's powerful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that and use it. Yeah, please do. <laughs> you're painting my own vision. <laughs> so last question for you. Who is the best communicator that you know, either know personally or know of? And why would you say that about them? The best communicator that I know... There's probably a few, but one that comes to mind for me right now is probably my, my men's group leader for church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still feel like I'm youth. Um, <laughs> my men's group leader for, for church, his name's Josh, mainly for his ability to listen. When you can listen, you know, this, this whole, we actually talked about it at our last, our last meeting together. And it's this idea of, I think, James 119, which is be uh, slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Something, it may be off of, uh, mm-hmm. out of order there. But when you can listen and you can understand, and when people feel like they're understood, then you can really create a lot of trust. And that's what communication and relationships are built all around is trust. And so I would definitely say that's uh, that's a top one there. Yeah, no, it's definitely powerful. So t- tell me a little bit about the podcast and, and kind of where folks can find you and learn more about, uh, you know, what you're coaching, how they can get involved, how they can learn more about the Airbnb stuff. Yeah, awesome. So the podcast is called The Fearless Investor. You can find it just about anywhere. But the website, if you just want a straight shot to everything I'm doing, fearlesskyle.com. And you'll be able to find the podcast, YouTube channel, all of our Airbnb resources. One of the things that I think is our most powerful tool that we have that's just a no-brainer. It's free right on the homepage there. You can download our free Airbnb profit calculator. So if you're wondering, hey, will my house make money? Or hey, will my area do well to be able to make some money on Airbnb? That profit calculator is gold to help you determine that answer. So just fearlesskyle.com and you can uh, see just about everything. And also on Instagram, fearlesskyle. I love it. Love the fearlesskyle name too. Very. <laughs> I, it, it used to be fearless flipping. Uh, I changed it over to fearlesskyle. I, I like it a little bit more. <laughs> fearless in all things, not just flipping. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, I really appreciate your time. It's, it's been great to chat with you. I think we covered a lot of uh, really valuable territory for the audience. And, and I just thank you for taking the time today, man. 
Thanks for having me on, Greg. I appreciate it. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.